What a wonderful morning of worship already today. And uh, aren't you glad to be in God's house today? God has a word for each and every one of us. Tell your neighbor, God's got a word for you today. He does. His word is active, alive, living, breathing, speaking. The Holy Spirit is in this place where two or three are gathered together. In my name, Jesus said he would be there in our midst. He is ministering among us. God's spirit is speaking to us. God's word is saved for us and by God's spirit and God's word speaks to us today as we hear it together. And so our prayer today is, God, thank you for having me be here today. Thank you that you have saved me today. Thank you that your spirit lives in me today. Thank you that you're ministering among us today. Thank you for your word that it's, it's accurate and true and perfect and speaks to me today. God, help me hear you today, and Lord, lead me to obey you today. So that is sort of where we should be in our, as, we, as we gather together today. Let's don't zone out, get distracted, but let's hear what God has to say to all of us today. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible today, I encourage you to look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 25. Jesus is uh, in these last hours of his life. He's giving great instruction to his disciples, and he tells a story about uh, of some parables. He tells some stories about accountability and about responsibility of stewardship, about the gifts that God's give a, given us and our stewardship to use those gifts in his kingdom for his glory. But then he also comes to this passage we're going to look at today. And we're going to consider this question today. We're going to consider why should I care for others? Or I titled it, Who Gives a Care? Who should give a care? And look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. Did you know that Jesus is coming back again? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? 
And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as you're speaking now, I pray that you would have your way in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, convict us, encourage us, confront selfishness and sin in us. And Father, that you would draw us by your Spirit to you, repenting of sin, trusting in Jesus, finding forgiveness and cleansing and life and hope. And Father, a commission to go and be your people in this world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Religious and judgmental people don't change the world much if it's not filled with love and compassion for the broken. Real relationship with God through Jesus Christ will evidence itself in a passion to care for the most downtrodden in a community. Amen? And so Jesus is speaking to us in this passage of Scripture. We want to look at it together. I can't help but think about some stories of lives who've been touched as they began to see people differently and engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of God. Chuck Colson worked for President Nixon. He was known as Nixon's hatchet man. He was an unbelievable political figure, and he was ruthless in getting victory for what he believed was a right cause. That passion and that drive and that desire to win at all costs made him become a convicted felon. He was convicted of obstruction of justice, and he was part of the fall 
in President Nixon's regime. As a matter of fact, he was so broken that he went to a friend who was a, 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 a businessman and, and, a, and the head of a major corporation. And he was witnessed to by this man. He come under, came under great conviction. And in a driveway, he repented of sin, sitting in his car, and with tears turned his heart and life to Jesus Christ and was born again. He wrote a best-selling book called Born Again. His life transformed. He still paid a price. He went to Maxwell Federal Prison in Alabama and as a brand new Christian entered into that prison and he tells the story of what that was like but it wasn't too long after he had been there that he began to see these other prisoners and he didn't view them as prisoners but he viewed them as men and they were men like him men who were struggling men that were broken men that needed God in their life and he began to be involved in Bible study and witnessing and sharing while in prison, all the while God transforming his life. And after several months in a federal prison, he came out and he formed, along with some other men, formed Prison Fellowship. And Prison Fellowship has, has made vast impact on literally tens of thousands of lives as they minister the gospel of Jesus Christ across America and beyond. Praise God for how God worked in his life. But there was a change that God did in Colson's life. How do you see people? How do you see them in their brokenness, in their life? It was a thing that happened in my own life. It's been nearly 20 years ago now that I went on a mission trip to Kazakhstan. While there, we went house to house and door to door and in villages preaching the gospel of Christ. We met a group of brothers, men, faithful men that would meet two or three mornings a week early in the morning before sunrise. And we would sing together and pray together. They would talk about where they were going to go and take the gospel on that day. They didn't do it for pay. They didn't do it for prestige. They didn't build, do it to build a megachurch somewhere. They did it because their hearts were broken. We went to, with them to orphanages and, and we went to prisons. I'll never forget, we went a long way off from the central city where we were ministering from and to a women's prison. And There in that women's prison, they, we had to stop through several checkpoints and show our papers before we even got to the prison compound. When we got to the prison compound, we were thoroughly searched and questioned about why we were there. And then we were allowed to go into solitary confinement in a women's prison and share the gospel. The conditions on the inside of the prison were abhorrible. They were, they were filthy, dirty, and seemed so hopeless. And as we sat in that prison, we shared with these women, and before long I just saw them. And I began to see them this. 
is about the same age as my sister. And I realized that they were somebody's daughter. They were somebody's sister. But they were loved and valued by God himself. And as I saw them, I, I knew that God cared about them. We were able to talk with them and share with them. And we shared the gospel with them. Most of them had been involved in, in drug addiction and prostitution and, and, and theft and stealing and crimes that all goes with that. But I didn't see criminals. I saw people that God loves and Christ died for and we shared the gospel. They listened so intently and they said, we talked about how that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. And these women just began to weep. Twelve women prayed to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And I'm telling you, it changed my whole perspective. I didn't see them as criminals. I saw them as sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how God changes us. When the gospel of Christ is coming to our life, it has an impact on how we live our life. In this broken world, Jesus is, he tells this story. It's not a parable. It's, he just says, in verse number 31, the Son of Man, when he comes in glory. This is a favorite designation of Jesus for himself, the Son of Man. He's identified with man. But it's also a reference to Daniel chapter number 7, where we see the Son of Man with the Ancient of Days. And we see the Son of Man not only having the qualities of man, but the qualities of the Sovereign King. And he says, this Son of Man, this Sovereign One, he comes with all of his angels. This is at a time of judgment, of a, a, a time of, of giving an account. And he will sit on his glorious throne, on a throne of glory. Here there is none like Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we saw him come the first time, he came in humility. John said we, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But when Christ comes again, he will sit on a throne, and the throne will be glorious. He will judge every one of us. And notice he says they'll be gathered to him all people. Your translation may say nations. It's not ethne. It's, it's all people. And he will separate them from one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. This is not unusual in Palestinian shepherd in the evening, especially the cool time of the year, will separate out the goats from the sheep. They may graze together. He may herd them together and shepherd them together. But in the evening, he will separate the sheep from the goats. The goats are more vulnerable. They, they can get colder. They need to, the, the goats need to... Uh, be put into a different place where they can be warmer and the, the sheep uh, can endure the cold weather with their wool. The sheep have a, more of a value than the goats do, but there's a separation of the two in the evening. And so he says there's going to be a separation of all people and there'll be 
divided into two camps, the one on his right and the one on his left, the sheep and the goats. And as he divides them, there's an accounting that takes place. Notice what Jesus says in this passage. He'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and he'll say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He says, come, you've been blessed by my Father. Notice, today the question is, why should I care? Why should I care? And the first answer to that is because we're all going to be accountable to God for this life and how we've lived this life before a holy God. Amen? Notice in verse 33, He'll place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come who are blessed in my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, not blessed, but cursed, into what? Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We're all going to be accountable to God about our life, our faith, and our work, and how you live your life and what you say about your faith, your confession of faith, needs to be in alignment with how you live your life. You are what you do. You believe the way that you act. It reveals the way that you truly believe. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there's a time of accountability, and there's going to be a time that we stand before God and give an account of our lives. And the one group, he says, come blessed, and you'll inherit the kingdom. And this kingdom was prepared before the foundation of the world. He said, God, from the very beginning, has prepared a place for his people. Come and be a part. But then to those that, that have lived a different life, And do not care for others. He says, depart from me. And he says, you're cursed. And he says, you're going to go to a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels and not experience the inheritance because you have rejected God's grace in your life. Has anybody ever had to give an account of your life to somebody else? Not a lot of fun, is it? Sometimes. Anybody ever put the searchlight on your life and really examine your life? <clears throat> I've had to have a couple of accountings in my life. The Infernal Revenue Service twice has audited me. That's not a lot of fun. Both times we went in with fear and trembling and nearly gnashing of teeth. Both times they said, your taxes are a mess. Who prepared them? And I quickly pointed to Christy. (laughs) We now pay somebody to do them. Twice they said, you know, it's a mess. We've We've obviously found a lot of errors here. And twice they said, we think we owe you money, though. And so I got money back. I would not recommend that as the way to do it. How about giving an account of your life 
My mother used to say this thing all the time. I would argue with her and talk back with her and, and, and really test the boundaries with her. And sometimes I just did it to just get a rise out of her. And she gets so mad. But she had a trump card. And the trump card was this. When your dad gets home, we're going to see about this. Well, that's not fair. First of all, my dad loved her more than us. And he told me on more than one occasion, you know, we existed before you were here. We can exist after. <laughs> the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all, say it with me out loud, for we must what? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Folks, we give an account of our life. You're going to give an account of your life before holy God. It's, folks, it's not just what we confess with our mouth, but it's how we've obeyed the Lord. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. God's grace should transform us to live a life like Jesus' life. And if not, then there's something desperately wrong. Leon Morris, great commentator, said, this passage deals with works which are seen as a test, whether one is saved or not. Evidence of God's grace. The works that we do are evidence either of the grace of God at work in us or of our rejection of that grace. So it's not what you say, but it's how you live your life. A living relationship with Jesus Christ transforms our relationships with people. Amen? Amen. Secondly, why should I care? Because we're all connected. We are all connected with one another. We're related to one another. And notice in verse 37, the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you? What Jesus said, he said, listen, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I, he says, when? They, they, they were surprised. When did we see you? We saw other people. We didn't see you. And he said, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers... You did it to me. You see the connectivity? It says we're connected. We're, we're connected. Jesus Christ is our brother. God is our father. And other people are our brothers and sisters. And we're related to one another. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So when you do good deeds to the poor, God says, you're, you're lending to me, and I will take care of you. Wow. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. 
You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus is saying love people. Not, not people that just like you, not people that love you back, but, but love all people because we're related. We're related to our brothers and sisters who are trusting and following Jesus Christ, and we ought to love them. By this shall all people know that you are mine, disciples, because you love one another. We're to love one another, fellow followers of Jesus Christ. Because by the blood of Jesus, we are a part of the same family. But we are also to love our enemies and those who persecute us and those who are not like us. Because we're related to them. Because they are sons of Adam too. And they're part of God's creation too. And they're made in the image of God too. And they are valuable to Almighty God too. And if they're valuable to God, they should be valuable to us. We care for them. Pope Francis said the many situations of inequality, poverty, and injustice are signs not only of a profound lack of fraternity, but also the absence of a culture of solidarity. New ideologies characterized by rampant individualism, egocentrism, materialistic consumerism, weaken social bonds, fueling that throwaway mentality that leads to contempt for and abandonment of the weakest and those considered useless in this human coexistence increasing. It says, in this way, the human coexistence increasingly tends to resemble a mere do at death, meaning I give so that you'll give back to me, which is both pragmatic and selfish. He's right. And this is, we've got to be able to see those among us as a part of the family of God in creation and to love them and point them to Jesus Christ who alone can save us from our sins. Amen? Amen. Now, how do we... Uh, next, I want to think about who deserves our care. Who deserves my care? Who deserves yours? And uh, I want us to look at this passage in verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I was naked, you clothed me. Sick and you visited me in prison and you came to me. You see the hurting here. They're hungry and thirsty and a stranger and naked and sick and in prison. These are the vulnerable, the infirmed, the outcasts. Those that are easily overlooked. 
They're the hurting. And we're to care for them. We're to care for these hurting. Notice in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10. And the Let's back up one, one scripture verse. I'm, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. He says, as you did it to these brothers, the least, the least you did it unto me. And so Jesus is saying, every life matters to God. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, quickly. So then, we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for, what's it say? For all, as we do for you. John 13 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also to love one another by this shall all people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's people with real needs, people without rights, without protection, without care, people that need a neighbor. We're often like that lawyer, that scribe that came to Jesus and said, to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what's the law say? How's it read to you? And he said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, do that, and you will live. Answer to his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's wishing to justify himself, he said, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And so many times we're looking for a loophole like that lawyer. Who do I need to want to care for and who do I don't want to care for? And that somehow I'm justified in deciding that certain people are not deserving of my care. Maybe they've been in prison. Maybe they've been a drug user. Maybe they did something awful. Maybe they did, they did something that brought shame on them, and the culture looks at them with shame about them. But God looks at them, and he sees somebody that Christ died for. Listen, I don't know. We like to grade people's sins and grade people so we can decide to throw them away and not care for them. But I want you to know, every one of us, we're on our way to hell, and none of us in this room needed, could work our way into a right relationship with God. We needed a Savior, and Jesus is our Savior. And none of us get to heaven by doing good works. None of us can work or earn our way to heaven if we go to every prison or help every homeless person. That doesn't earn your salvation, but it should be, we should be moved by our salvation to care for those who are hurting. All of us indeed were homeless ourselves. All of us are lost ourselves. All of us are separated from God ourselves. All of us are aliens ourselves. And all of us are bankrupt ourselves. And we all needed a Savior. And that's what Jesus did for us. 
so we don't approach this world with judgmentalism or apathy. Let's care for the broken and point them to Jesus Christ. Amen? He said you care for the hurting, you care for the sojourner, you care for the refugee, you care for the alien who's living among you. Folks, let me just say this. Governments may make laws about borders. That's fine. Defining borders, that's good. Laws about who can pass through those borders, that's understandable. What citizenship is and the rights of citizens, that's what governments do. But kingdom believers have no choice but to be mercy givers and show hospitality to the most vulnerable and hurting in our world. Amen. And don't let our political identification pollute our thinking about loving people in this world. I know it's getting quiet in here. I'm just as conservative as any of the rest of you. But I'm convicted that I want to be a man that lives by the kingdom and not politics. But God, they're not Americans. But God, they're not English speakers. But God, they're not like us. And when you did it to the least of them, you did it unto me. How do I care for people? I'm glad you asked that question. Number one, you must see the needy, see them. Verse number 37, the righteous will say, Lord, we didn't see you. If it, we'd known it had been you, we'd, <laughs> we didn't see you hungry, feed you, or thirsty, and give you a drink. And that's the thing, the righteous and the unrighteous both, they're surprised. Verse 44, this is what the unrighteous say. They will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you, serve you, minister to you? And he tells them, when you didn't take care of the least, you didn't take care of me. How do I care? You, first of all, you've got to see them. And here's the thing. When we look at people that are hurting, they don't always look like Jesus. And so if we're not careful, we overlook them. Amen? God help us. But not only do you need to see them, this poor and troubled and sick, when you overlook them, you're overlooking Jesus. That's what he's saying. Not only do you see them, but you need to act. Either you do something or you don't do something. And Jesus, he acted for us. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that he was despised and rejected. That there, his, there, his appearance was nothing beautiful at all. Jesus cares for the poor and the outcast and the hurting. And he's identified with them. It's his ministry. He came for them, for the broken and for the hurting. 
Don't limit your love to people who look like you. It's not just for brothers like you, but it's for all of us. John Calvin said there's a common tie that binds all the children of Adam. Leon Morris said everyone in need is to be the object of Christian benevolence and kindness. It's about what we do, how we help. What is the need and how do we respond to it? Let me ask you a question. This is so basic. And we're just about done. Stay with me. How do I care for people? Let me ask you a question. If you were really hungry and gone days and days without eating, and you had no idea to find out, you had no way of providing food for yourself, what would you want somebody to do for you? This is not rocket science. If you're really hungry and you have no way to feed yourself, what would you want somebody to do for you? Feed me. Let's say you're super thirsty and you have no access to clean water and you don't know where you're going to get a drink and you're so parched and you meet somebody, a stranger, what do you hope that they will do for you? Give me a drink. And let's say that you were ostracized from your homeland and you were kicked out and that you couldn't stay there because of political turmoil or because of, of hate crime or because of uh, civil war and you took up all of your belongings and left your house in fear of your life and you, 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 you sojourned on with just the things on your back and you, you, you paid everything you could to try to get out of the country and you find yourself in another land that's not your home, where you're not a citizen. And they speak a different language, and the culture is all different, but you know you can't go back, and you're in makeshift tents or maybe nothing and sleeping outside with your children. What do you hope that somebody might do for you? Care for me. This is what being a Christian is. Jesus said all of the law and the prophets hang on this right here. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 12. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. God has called us to care in this broken world and to love people and to help them. Amen? Amen. How do I care? What does my care or lack of care mean? To those who care, the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But how about those that don't? Those who don't care, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, 
and those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, bad, bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Stay with me. Every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty, many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. It's not about religious words, religious acts. It's about knowing Jesus Christ personally, having him change us, and then loving because his spirit is dwelling in us. Loving broken people in a broken world with the love of God and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might be saved. Amen? Takeaways today. Number one, God cares for his people. Say it out loud with me. God cares for his people. Number two, Jesus cared for all people. Number three, number four, Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's powerful and true. I pray that today, that as we respond to this message, we would respond in faith, in repentance, in obedience. Help us to love like you loved us. In Jesus' name. Amen.